What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Baseball America Dynasty Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and our lead fantasy analyst, Dylan White. Dylan, welcome to the podcast. This is the last one I think we're probably going to record before the beginning of the major league season triple a kicks off as well this week and then we're going to have the full minors kicking off i believe the following week so we've got a lot going on i've been on the backfields and at wbc getting beat up in the sun i've seen a lot of great players i've seen a lot of very young players it's kind of i've kind of run the gamut over the last couple of days i've seen wbc i've seen major league games i've seen triple a double a high A and low A. So I have seen all five teams out here at least twice already as I was doubling up my first couple of days. Um, seen the Astros, I think, two or three times now. I've seen the Nationals twice. I only saw the Mets once, actually. I will see them again uh, in the remainder of the week. I've seen the Marlins twice, and I've seen the Cardinals twice. So I've kind of kind of run the gamut. I've seen a lot of different arms, some, some you know, some you may not know yet. We won't be talking about that yet, though. We're going to hold that for another podcast and some articles. Let's get into a little bit of fantasy talk first. I did my Tout Wars draft this whole trip for me. I've gone for 13 days, kicked off last Saturday uh, in New York City. You know, I was there for Tout, met up with my good friend, Gray Albright. I was in town with my wife. Um, my, my other good friend, uh, Harold Dieterle, was a uh, season one top chef winner. Uh, so, of course, I, I leaned in on Harold to make a reservation and take us out to a good Japanese restaurant because I wanted to get into the spirit of the WBC. I saw two of the best games I think I've probably ever seen in person. Um, you know, I, of course, saw both, you know, the Japanese-Mexico semifinal, which I think was actually the best game I've ever seen in person. The momentum swings there. Um, I talked about this in the WBC podcast, but just how crazy that Mexican crowd was in a good way. Like, you know, the type of crowd that you would expect at a World Cup game or an international soccer match of some sort, just a ton of passion, really interesting fans where they were chanting, they were singing, they had noisemakers, they were hanging on every pitch. It was just something that's not necessarily usual for me, someone that's at college games, somebody's at Cape games, which, you know, the fans really just are there to eat hot dogs and hang out, you know, after they go to the beach. And then minor league games where... You have anywhere from 500 to, if I'm in Worcester, maybe 8,000 fans. And they're typically not hanging on every pitch. So that was really unique for me. I got to see some great players. Uh, got to see a, a ton of these Japanese prospects like Roki Sasaki. Uh, I got to see Yoshinubu Yamamoto. You can tell me if I screwed that name up. Um, and I got to see Takahashi, who was the reliever, the 20-year-old right-hander that came in and struck out Mike Trout and then followed that up with a strikeout of Paul Goldschmidt striking out back-to-back MVPs, kind of a big deal. And then, of course, you Darvish comes in for the eighth. Otani comes in for the ninth, and that's like an all-time WBC moment. That was cool. And then I've been in the backfields ever since, so I've kind of been living the life. But back to my original point, I did my Tout Wars auction. I've now been in this league since 2019. So this is my fifth year in Tout, I believe. Uh, I haven't won yet. I've made the playoffs 
three out of the four years that I've competed. I think you've got a good squad. I think you're going to make it again. This is going to be my year, Dylan. Let's talk a little bit about my Tout Wars auction. Uh, I'll hand it over to you, kind of kick the reins here, and you can pepper me with questions about my my crazed spending. Yeah, yeah. So so give us the the format here. It's head-to-head 15-team. Is that right? Or No, it's 12-team. It's 12 a 12-team head-to-head points league, standard CBS scoring, um, sort of standard rosters for a Tout Wars League, meaning two catchers, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, middle infield, corner infield, five outfielders, and one utility spot. And then we have seven uh, open pitcher spots and then two that need to have a relief pitcher eligible player there, not necessarily a reliever. So that's, and then it's a six man bench. The auction is the starting lineup. And then we have a six round reserve round uh, that snakes sort of based on where you finished in the rankings the previous season. All right. So what, what was then your strategy going in? Did you want to do a stars and stripes? Were there guys you want to target specifically? Um, just talk, talk a bit about your process coming into the draft. Sure. So this is a this is a scoring format that's heavily slanted toward pitching and having good pitching depth is paramount. You want to have good hitters for sure. You need some stars in your lineup. Some guys are going to produce big, but it's a 12 team league. Um, The replacement value is fairly high as there's a lot of players that are available on waivers from week to week, particularly on the hitting side. And you know, the number of players that are rostered in this versus my NL labor or some of these deeper leagues that we play in or dynasty leagues that we play in, there's still a lot of good players available that didn't even get drafted in the reserve rounds. Guys that are going to have good seasons. Every year there's a few that pop up. So it's important to stay on top of that. Um, but I tried to go in and do a few things. Number one, I wanted to have sort of uh, the pocket aces, I guess, as you might might say, that's the popular term from your friend Toby. Um I wanted to make sure that I also had a good three, four and five starter. And then from there I was like, okay, you know, I can fill out the rest of, you know, my, my, my pitching lineup. And I wanted to make sure in the reserve rounds, I got nothing but pitchers. My home league is a 12 team points league. CVS scoring very similar to this. We have one rule that's different. We need to have at least one bench hitter here. You do not, you can have all of uh, your bench entirely be pitchers. Uh, the bonus for that is it's um, twice a week that you get to set your rosters. So, of course, on Monday, and then we set it again on Saturday, uh, excuse me, on Friday. So you can move in pitchers as well. So guys go once, guy go on Wednesday or Thursday. You could swap them out for someone that's going on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So having that flexibility, I think, with the pitching, because when pitchers have a good start, because we get points for quality starts as well as wins, strikeouts, innings, etc., it's important. So if you can go into a draft like this and you can leave with 13 to 14 pitchers, you're doing pretty good, especially if a majority of them are starters. In terms of my lineup, I wanted to make sure that I had a top-notch, because it's two catcher, a top-notch starting number one catcher, a top-notch corner infield bat, whether that was a guy that was at third base or a guy that was at first base, um, at least two good middle infielders, And I wanted to at least have one or two stars in the outfield. Really, you'll see my second outfield star is really just my utility only guy, which is Shohei Otani, the hitter. Um, So we can go through how I built this, but I I sort of made sure that within each position bucket, I had somebody that I I view as a star. Yeah, I mean, you're just talking about you want a a star what number one catcher star corner infielder i'm just looking at your roster as you're talking i'm like yeah nailed it nailed it nailed it nailed it but let, let's talk about pitching that's what you said is the strong sure. thing i guess your home league has that rule about you have to have a hitter on the bench because people tend to just load it up with pitchers so i assume that means it's hard to find pitchers on the wire sure. um so it sounds like pitching is very important like it is in most uh points leagues so let's talk about it so I'm, I'm looking at your top pitchers here in order you got garrett cole for 34 dollars like in order descending order of of sure. your cost Degrom 27 dollars george kirby 20 dollars nesta cortez 11 clayton kershaw eight so let's we'll do those top five there so which one do you like the best which one are you surprised you got which one was the, the <laughs> most hard fought to get as well sure um um, I've had Cole in this league for two or three years consecutively. 
I think I paid $40 for him last year. So the price went down quite a bit. Now, granted, Garrett Cole's coming down what many would consider a down year for Garrett Cole. In this format, I still believe in the wins. He's going to go deep. The bullpen's still good there. Um, and he gets a ton of strikeouts. I mean, he is a very valuable starter. Um, I believe, based on looking at the board here, he was the most expensive uh, starter that went. Um, so I did have to go a little bit higher than I wanted to, but it was fine because I really feel like what I paid for Clayton Kershaw offset the cost of, of Garrett Cole. I only paid $8 for Clayton Kershaw. I don't know why the value was so low. It was a little bit like the middle of the draft. Um, but when you look at some of the other guys that went, Logan Webb went for, for 16. Um, Chris Sale went for, for 12. Jordan Montgomery went for nine. Lucas Giolito went for 12. Uh, Logan Gilbert went for 12. Um, Jeffrey Springs went for 13. Uh, and then closers were going from, you know, anywhere from $19 all the way down to like, we'll say at least the higher tier guys, like 14 or $13. Kenley Jansen went for 10. Um, I still really believe in Clayton Kershaw. I, I like, I don't quite understand it. Like, sure. He may have some time on the IL, um, but when he's out there and he's pitching, he's been really good. Um, you know, he pitches differently than he used to. I get that he's 35 years old and this might be, you know, one of his final seasons. He's still, you know, sort of their de facto ace. Um, went 12 and three last year, um, 2.28 ERA. You know, the XERA was 251. FIP was 257. XFIP, if that's your number, 283. Um, you know, struck out just under 10 per nine. Walks count against their points here. They're negative points. He had less than two walks per nine. Um, that's still a really valuable player, you know, and if I say, let's say I get 150 innings out of Kershaw this year, that's a huge win at $8. I'm more than happy to pay that price because guys that are going to give you lesser production with a lot less certainty went for a lot more. So, um, I thought that that was my person personally, I felt like that was my best value. Uh, DeGrom was the first pitcher that I won. Um, you know, I've now you've kind of convinced me and coaxed me into Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> I just feel like he's undervalued. Um, you know, when we're sort of looking at the guys that went within his range, um, you know, Zach Gallon was 24. Brandon Woodruff was was 28. Um, Julio Urias uh, was 27. Framba Valdez was 25. Uh, Shane Bieber went for 29. Hugh Darvish went for 26. Is there inherent risk with Jake DeGrom? Sure. He's pitching in spring training. He looks good. Um, you know, he's had the year off. I feel like I, I probably would have had to pay $35 for a full healthy Jacob DeGrom. And I'll take the discount there. I'll take the risk because I think that the upside, if I get good seasons from Cole, DeGrom, Kirby, Kershaw, and Nestor, this is going to be a really formidable team. And they're all guys that we'll see. I guess we'll see with DeGrom, but. Cole, Kirby, Kershaw, Nestor, all on playoff quite caliber teams with pretty good bullpens. That's going to save some of my wins. It's also guys that go a little bit deeper and they're efficient with their pitches so they can get, get me some quality starts and some innings um, and just good production. I don't have to worry about the blowups. And, you know, I'm not betting on a lot of young pitchers here outside of Kirby, but if we look at what George Kirby did last year, you know, I think it's it's almost even a little bit underrated just in terms of, you know, how good he is in this format, how good the command is on Kirby. Um, it's, you know, some of the some of the best command of any pitcher that's under 25. Um, he wasn't up right away. He made 25 starts, 130 innings, 3.39 ERA, 2.99 FIP. Um, another guy that was, you know, about 9Ks per nine and uh, under two uh, walks per nine. Um, so I, and, and, you know, he had a 331 BABIP and a 75% left on base, nothing super out of whack here in terms of the luck. If anything, it might, you know, even be a little bit better. So for me with a guy like Kirby, I think I could maybe even get 170, 180 innings out of him this season, if he's healthy throughout the season. And that could be another, another win. So I really left the draft feeling really good about my pitching staff. Um, you know, and, and, 
relievers once again in this league i get one closer and then i try to find some starters that have released pitcher eligibility that guy for me this year was was nick martinez and i got david robertson for five dollars of course after the edwin diaz news he's not a hundred percent the closer but i do kind of like him as the closer and he's got a fixed cost and i think you know a guy that has experience there this is a team with designs to win the world series and i know somebody tweeted it out but there was a year where Mariano Rivera was injured, and I think it was Rafael Soriano had like 35 saves for the Yankees as his replacement. Kind of a similar situation. So I'm willing to bank on that, and at $5, I thought that was pretty good value too. So um, I got my high-end guys. I got my, you know, two aces, and then some pretty good two and three, four starters there, in my opinion. Yeah, and so your dollar pitchers that you also – uh, have like you mentioned Dick Martinez? You got Alex Wood and Miles Michaelis, who's going to be the opening day starter for St. Louis. Just signed an extension as well uh, today. Yeah, today, and you also have your bench. You have Sean Manaya, Cal Quantrill, Tyler McGill, who may fill in uh, in the Mets for Jose Quintana, Martin Perez for the Rangers, and Brian Bayo, who is starting on the IL, but that's I think just for him to build up his his uh, his arm. Um, so I, know yeah. I know he pitched last week in a in a spring training game. Yeah, yeah, but they they did mention that they he's going to start on the IL, but it's really okay. just to build up his arm to uh, a starting uh, Which is load. Fine. Exactly, and then Michael Grove, um, we may talk about him later in this podcast, but uh, yeah, I, I'd say you're you're kind of uh, loaded up. Your arsenal of uh, of arms is is stockful, but. Sure. You also uh, it didn't really uh, sacrifice your hitting. So let's talk about that. You wanted your number one catcher. So who'd you get? I got JT Romuto at $23. Dalton Varsha was 22. Adley was 20. Will Smith was 21. So in this scoring format with the auction calculator, um, with two catchers, I actually had him as a top 10 player. <laughs> based on replacement value for catchers um, because what real Muto can do there and where he is in this lineup spot, good lineup, you know, even with the loss of Reese Hoskins, which we'll talk about in a minute, I still think that, you know, I feel really good about him and maybe he'll even get some first base playing time, you know, on those days or DH on those days that he's hurt just because of the loss of Hoskins and having to replace some of that within the lineup. So um, this is before Hoskins got hurt. It was already in. And then my backup catcher was Cal Raleigh. And one of the reasons I went all in on that one is uh, some of the reporting that our colleague Kyle Glazer had done in his sort of annual who looks good in spring training, according to scouts. And I think a scout had put like a top five um, uh, catcher label on him potentially by the end of the season. We know he can hit. So I, I kind of like that one too. Um, sort of went in there on that one. Yeah, no, I definitely like that. Uh, so then uh, infield, you have Paul Goldschmidt, Yohan Moncada, and Josh Young. Paul Goldschmidt, you spent 26. I guess he's your stud corner infielder. So yeah. talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, you know, I love Goldschmidt in this format. Um, you know, a guy that I ended up seeing in WBC as well. Of course, the, the reigning NL MVP. Um, he's 35 years old, but, I, you know, I think if we look at the age, he, you know, he's coming off of, you know, outside of the 2020 season, he's now had five consecutive 30 home run seasons. Um, of those five consecutive 30 home run seasons, he's, he's hit 297, 290, 30, um, 260 that one down year in 2019, 294, 317 last year. You know, had a 404 on base percentage, slug just a, a hair under 600. Um, doesn't strike out a ton. He walks. And I, you know, he's a guy that's always run and stolen bases. Um, only had seven last year. And I know the speed isn't crazy, but with some of these new rules and his ability to steal bases, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe he's back up into the double digits, like 15, 16 again. Um, I think there's still some upside funny enough with him. So coming off the year that he has, there's a lot of certainty there. And, you know, I, I, I feel really good about coming, coming out of the draft with a guy like Goldschmidt. Um, and getting him at $26 versus, you know, Freddie Freeman went for 36. Um, Jose Ramirez went for 39. Austin Riley went for 25 around the same. Pete Alonzo went for 32. Matt Olson went for 31. Um, Goldschmidt's teammate, Nolan Arenado, went for 26. Rafael Devers went for 27. 
And I think maybe with the exception of like Jose Ramirez and, and maybe Freeman, he can kind of match the production of all those guys. Um, so I felt pretty good about the price tag. I thought it was correctly valued. I don't know if I underpaid. I don't think that's the case. Certainly don't feel like I overpaid. No, I definitely want Goldsmith at 26 over Matt Olson at 31. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> just $5 extra. I don't think you're getting $5 extra from Matt Olson. So I like that. So then uh, your middle infield, you got Andre Simenez, Xander Bogarts, and then Colton Wong. Uh, were you targeting any of those guys specifically and you wanted to make sure you got them? Jimenez. Um, wanted to make sure I got Jimenez. I believe I put in my bid for Jimenez. I still had nine spots left and only had $9. So that was one of those where it was like, all right, like the replacement value is high. The guys aren't going to be able to get here at the end of the draft. And I just kind of nominated players that I didn't really want until it was down to just three or four of us. And then if someone wanted to bid up, you know, $2 on this third baseman, whatever, you know, fine. I'll take, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll miss out on Cabrian Hayes and take Yohan Moncada and Josh Young for a dollar. Fine. Um, Jimenez is a guy I wanted to make sure I got good young player. I think he could exceed that value. Had a very good season last year. And I've had Xander Bogarts in pretty much every draft that I've drafted thus far. Um, I just like the price tag. I know that he has, I think a, a hand splint on or something right now, but they say he's going to be ready for the regular season. And it's Xander. He's coming off the big contract. He's in a very good lineup. I think he's going to hit. Um, I'm not too worried about it. High floor and guy. That, too. Definitely a high floor guy. Yep. Uh, so then your outfield. Uh, so you got some dollar days guys there, but then you also have a, a big stud. So talk. let's talk about that. Mike Trout, $29. Yes. Captain America, you know, captain of the USA team, Mike Trout. Uh, you know, and this is a, essentially an OBP format. Uh, so for me, a guy like Trout has huge value. Um, I think we sometimes sort of overrate how much time he's missed. I think even myself and times I found myself getting into conversations about this, uh, even within like the BA chat and 31 years old, healthy coming off of the WBC. He played 119 games last year. Um, you know, it was, it was 134 and 140 and 18 and 19. Obviously the 2020 season was um, only whatever, you know, 50, 60 games. He played 53. So really that 2021 season, because he had 36 and there was such a high price tag, I think folks sort of got a little too aggressive on that. This is a guy that hit 40 home runs last season uh, in 119 games. If I do get a full healthy season from Trout, let's say he plays 140 or 150 games, we could be talking about a guy that can hit 50 home runs and have a great season. I don't, you know, I know the strikeout rate has gone up a little bit. The walk rates are still pretty good. I'm not too concerned with that. Um, and we know the kind of value that, that Trout can return. So um, I was perfectly fine with, you know, paying the the $29 price tag on Mike Trout. Um, when it wouldn't be shocking for him to have a better year than you were on Alvarez who went for 36. Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to start the year suspended. He was he went for the same price at 29. Corbin Carroll went for 26. Acuna went for 40. Juan Soto went for 44. Some of these guys, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Trump could win an MVP and it's not going to shock anyone. I, I still firmly believe that at 31. He's, you know, he's he's not totally on the back nine yet. I think he's still got another good five years out of him. So do you uh, do you regret taking him after seeing Shohei Otani embarrass him so thoroughly at the in the finals? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> it was a full count. You know, he misses with one of those pitches. He might walk him, uh, or main lines a fastball. You know, Trout could have turned on it. I don't think that's that's not one of those things that you know. <laughs> and I think that it wouldn't shock me if the Angels are a better team this year than people realize. You know, they have more pitching than you realize. Um, there's you know if Rendon bounces back a little bit. You know, I, I think, you know, it could be a pretty good team. I think it's a better lineup than people probably give them credit for. Um, so I'm, I'm not too concerned. Plus, I got I got the the hitter Shohei Otani in my utility spot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at that, that lineup, it was really not too bad. Taylor Ward up top, followed by Mike Trout, followed by Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, Hunter Renfro, Brandon Drury. Jared Walsh, who had a down year, but he's probably going to um, 
platoon with Gio Urshela, whatever. Logan O'Hoppy, we know, can can hit. And then David Fletcher at the bottom. But it's not a bad lineup. It really isn't. And, you know, it's a decent pitching staff with Otani, Sandoval, Anderson, Detmers, and then, like, Jose Suarez in, in the um, – in, in the in the five spot um bullpen is okay maybe a little bit sneaky um there's guys like ryan tapera um matt moore uh, aaron lope um you know jimmy heger herger uh, excuse me and like carlos estevez who have all been pretty good relievers recently so i think it's kind of an underrated team um so I'm, i guess i'm in on the angels i don't know <laughs> So I, we should probably move on to the news section, but before we go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is Was there a, a player that you were kicking yourself because you got outbid or in hindsight, you wish you hadn't spent on someone else because you saw someone go very cheap on someone else's team? Is there someone there that I guess that you regret not getting? Uh, not really so much because um, I got a lot of, like I said, I, I really feel like I executed my plan and I have high end players and like, top two, three rounders all over this roster. And I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not spent money. Um, I was more aggressive in this, in this particular auction than I was in labor. And, you know, I've learned from years past being in this league, it being a 12 team league, you got to go out there and you got to get some, some real stars and you got to have seven or eight of them. And, you know, I think if you look at my lineup between Real Muto, Goldschmidt, Jimenez, Bogarts, Trout, Otani, DeGrom, Cole, you know, Kirby, maybe even, you know, Kershaw and Nestor there. I have, you know, nine to 10, you know, all-star caliber players there that I'm, I'm really excited about getting my hands on. Yeah, it looks very good. Who, who do you think is going to be your big uh, opponent that you're going to be chasing? Um, I'm going to Frank, um, Stamphony, St- yeah, Stamphol from CBS has won this league in consecutive years. Oh wow! Until he gets knocked out, man, it's Frank. Um, so yeah, Frank's a great player. You know, Ariel Cohen is always very good. Um, Clay Link is always very good. We also have Greg Jewett in this league, who's a very good player. Um, I thought Paul Spore's team was good. Ryan Hallam uh, drafted a good team. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I think if we look across the board here, there's a lot of good players in this league and, you know, guys who have experience, um, these are all players that have been in this league before they know the format, they know the scoring, they know the quirks of on rotos. None of that stuff is going to trip them up. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think this is a good league, um, but I do really like my team and. You know, the last player I took in the reserve round is Michael Grove. But those guys, to me, especially even the dollar guys, one of the reasons I like getting some dollar guys, you know, from get some kind of backfilling here and, and covering myself, you're, there's no attachment. If you drop one of those guys, you don't feel bad because you dropped a $12 player or even an 8 or $9 player, you know. Um, so there was nothing there that really, like, spooked me in terms of, you know, what the cost was. Because um, there's a chance that, I might've even gone in on like Von Grisham or someone like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, it, he only went for $3, but you know, maybe I would have been up a little bit and ended up with Grisham and then been like, Oh, this guy just got sent to AAA. So I always try to go with experienced veterans and guys that are going to have guaranteed playing time. And I think the majority of my team has that. Yeah. I think that's an under, rated element of the game you, you spend six dollars on von grissom and then he gets sent down do you wait what do you do mike soroka right. sent down what do i drop him i don't know but you have you've spent so much money quote unquote on him whereas with a dollar guy you can just drop him that's, a, that's something i have to work on for like in my tgfbi draft i i like to get people that i know are going to play as my bench but then if someone comes up like Spencer Strider last year, I'm like, well, I don't really want to drop someone who's useful for just a a guess that this person's going to do well. But if I maybe go for upside uh, during the draft for high variance where he, the person could be a zero, then it's easier for me to drop them and take these shots at guys. So that's something I got to work on, but it sounds like you've you're way ahead of me on that already. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I've just lost enough, you know, um, (laughs) 
But let's uh, let's get into some news. So we, we've kind of alluded to a few of these. Um, Reese Hoskins goes down on Thursday. It was an ugly knee injury, and he's lost for the season. Unfortunately, it's actually his his contract year too. So really, a, a bad stroke of luck for a good guy, a good player, um, and a playoff hero. You know, and I think that there were high expectations in Philly, not just for the team but for Hoskins this year. Um, so that kind of throws that throws a wrench into it a little bit, you know. If you're looking for a replacement here, who are some guys that you might be going after whose value you think it impacts the most? So I think the name that's being talked about the most is Derek Hall, who has been playing uh DH in spring training. He's played a lot um against righties. He's the kind of easy one to slot in. I know they're talking about Alec Baum maybe coming over or Scott Kingery, who is listed in that uh, 25 players that are making some waves in spring training that Kyle Glazer wrote about. Um, he is kind of getting talked about on the, 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 the social discourse of who's going to take over. Um, so, yeah, I think Derek Hall is probably the one who is safer than Scott Kingery, but I think Kingery probably has a higher upside because we kind of know what, what Derek Hall will do, just slug, not the greatest batting average, will be platooned, sort of like a poor man's Josh Naylor is kind of what you're hoping for. Um, he's done pretty well in spring training. So, yeah, I know Derek Hall went in the in the main event yesterday, meaning Thursday, uh, in the top 300. So he's kind of creeping up as a, as what the high-stakes players are thinking is going to be the, the the replacement to take. Yeah, and I think one of the things that could happen is we could see Kingery at third base. We could see Baum move over. We could see Derek Hole against righties, and then Baum slide over to first base uh, in the lineup against left-handers with maybe Kingery or Amundo Salsa uh, at third base. So those are some names that are kind of kicking around there. I do think Derek Hall is probably the prudent buy at this point. Though Kingery is, is kind of an interesting name, and I'm glad that you brought him up because the reports have been pretty good. Um, a guy that had, you know, a lot of up, a lot of upside, a lot of prospect pedigree at one point, and that sort of dissipated and dropped off. But sometimes these guys are dead and then pop back up at 25 or 26 years old and sort of find that second win. So I think that's a good one. Let's move on to another uh, injury here. Jose Altuve breaks his wrist, uh, hit with a pitch. What's uh, what do you think the replacement there is for Altuve? Um, David Hensley in Houston. David Hensley, Houston, uh, Mauricio Dubon, I'm hearing as well. Sure. Um, I think I like Hensley better there as the option. Um, Dubon, they might have play in the outfield as well, because I, I believe he can play some center as well. Jordan mm -hmm. has been playing left field, but he's, you know, kind of coming back from his his injuries and maybe they sure. want to have him at DH for a while. So, you know, they have the Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers, maybe Justin Durden later, uh, Mauricio Dubon kind of in the outfield with Kyle Tucker, of course. Um, so I think it'd be Hensley. will get most of the playing time at second. I know you're a big fan of him. What do you yeah. think he can do or will do uh, this year? Yeah. So um, the thing that I like about Hensley is he's got a really good combination of skills and you hear me talk about players, write about players. This is always something I sort of go back to. And it's sort of one of the main pillars of sort of my philosophy and the players that I chase after. He has good contact skills. You know, the strikeout rate last year in MLB, granted it was a very small sample size, uh, or even in AAA, it's under, you know, it was under 20% in the major league level. It's under 23% at the AAA level. He got at bats, uh, even with a healthy, healthy Altuve. Um in the in the world series he's a guy they like a lot there is great on base percentage ability too he will he walked 17 percent of the time across 104 games in triple a walked 14.7 percent of the time uh in his brief major league example and he hits the ball really hard he just hits the ball on the ground a lot so that limits some of his upside uh in, in terms of the power um but you know a couple of tweaks and you never know runs into a few um you're not really drafting him to get huge offense, you know, uh, a huge um, power upside. You're really drafting a guy like this for the contact, for the on-base ability, and the fact that it's a, not a net zero at power. And he's got some, some positional flexibility as well. So 
I like Hensley. He was sort of a late, later stage breakout guy. Um, I think he might have been up in the major leagues even uh, with another team. Um, but, you know, he cracked the World Series lineup of the world champions. That's a pretty big team. So I think that says a lot about what the organization thinks about Hensley and how they view him. And he's got a nice two-month runway until Altuve is all the way back. So if, you, so if you've drafted Altuve in your league and, and now he's been felled by injury and you have to pick someone up in this upcoming fab period and there's David Hensley, there's, say, Jonathan Scope or Tony Kemp, are, are you bidding on Hensley or, or, or where do you have him in that? Yeah, I would probably have, um, I would probably, I would probably have Kemp one, frankly. Um, and then Hensley two, and then scope after that. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a huge scope fan. Um, not the mouthwash, but the player. <laughs> and it's, it's just a really, tough player for me to believe in just because of the type of profile that he has. He does not walk a lot. It's a contact first approach. And if he's not hitting and it's not a great lineup, that's not a great situation. Tony Kemp, you know, left-handed bat, he's going to hit lead off. Um, you know, he's got decent experience, doesn't strike out a lot. The walk rate has been okay at the major league level. I think he's about a 10% career walk rate guy, but with only a 14% strikeout rate, um there's some speed as well not a ton of power i just think when we're looking at those three options i think maybe has a little bit more upside uh and a little little bit more runway and potential to get more at bats than any of the three so i think kemp would be the guy for me we'd have to hope maybe with the new stone base rules he gets to 15 16 17 steals um but i think i think the first pick for me would be kemp of those three what about you don I think Kemp too. He has got outfield uh, eligibility. I actually have okay. Kemp in uh, TGFBI because um, yeah. I, I I took Mondesi that I wanted to have as a bench bat, but I need a middle infielder until he came back. So I have Tony Kemp. So I like Tony Kemp when I was competing for the overall uh, last two years ago. Um, he was on my my team in the last couple of weeks and he got some home runs that were unexpected. So I have a soft spot in my heart for Tony Kemp. <laughs> we're, we're, we're Kemp fans. All right, well, let's go to the next news here. I don't even know if there's necessarily a play. Von Grisham sent down. We're kind of talking about some of the same players in the middle infield range. Uh, Orlando Garcia is going to break camp. You know, Von Grisham getting sent down is not something that I had anticipated. I really didn't believe that he could necessarily play shortstop, but I just sort of wondered if he could fit into that outfield somewhere. One of those things. He produced pretty hot, pretty well last year. And you know, I, I personally had thought that, you know, he was going to see 500 at bats. He still could. I don't know if there's some, you know, he graduated from prospect status, but I still believe they can manipulate his service time a little bit. Um, so that might be some of the things that are at play here. I'm not making that accusation. I'm not totally sure. Um, but I had heard that floated out there. So that could be one of the things that's going on with Vaughn Grisham. Um, but a player that, you know, I was pretty high on. And I think in our, uh, our magazine mock draft that I did where we drafted out, I think 30 rounds for a dynasty team. I think I, I, I took Von Grisham and I've been taking him pretty high in some of these mock drafts. So um, that may look better at the end of this season, but it doesn't look great right now. He's still young. He still uh, yeah. can work on his defense in AAA. So it's not a terrible dynasty pick yet, but uh, yeah, that's, Definitely shocked me when he sent down. I don't have Von Grissom anywhere, even on my dynasty team. So um, it didn't really affect me too much uh, or blindside me too much. But uh, yeah, I was definitely surprised. Yeah. And I, like I said, we, we know some of the options that are there. It's going to be the same options we were talking about with Altuve. More of the middle infield type of deal than even just a shortstop. If he was your only shortstop, then I, I don't think you drafted well. <laughs> <laughs> regardless of what your league setup is, that was a lot to put in uh, Von Grisham as your shortstop. He was more middle infield type of target for uh, myself. Now let's talk about some good news. Some players that are breaking camp and some players who have the potential to break camp. The first one is we have a report out there that uh, James Outman will break camp with their major league team. How do you feel about his potential to play regularly? Because they do have some outfield options. They obviously have Mookie Betts and Wright. He sort of sat there. They have Trace Thompson, David Peralta, 
James Outman, and I believe Jason Hayward's probably going to make the team as well. Um, so what's your outlook for Outman this year? No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, uh, he he was a guy who was talked about as a sleeper coming in to spring training, I guess, because, you know, a bit, bit of power, a bit of speed. He, he had a nice showing in AAA, a 144 WRC+, plus, 292 average, uh, 390 OBP. Uh, 15 home runs, six stolen bases in 250 plate appearances. So just doing a quick uh, extrapolation that's in 500 plate appearances, that's 30 home runs, 12 stolen bases, 300 average. Um, obviously that's not how it's going to translate necessarily, but you know, he was, he was a, a popular pick as a sleeper. And then when they invited Peralta, they invited Jason Hayward, it seemed like, okay, this isn't going to really happen for him. Um, but now, it uh, it seems like he's going to, and and David Roberts has even said that he's gonna he's not on the team to sit. So it sounds like he's gonna get playing time. So I mean, I'm a bit. Um, I mean, it's the Dodgers; you can never count them out. But uh, his projections don't look fantastic. A 600 plate appearance uh, rate. He'll looks like you know 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases, but like a 220 average. Um, I think those are conservative. I think the Dodgers tend to. Be, be able to uh, unlock, you know, the best parts of players. Trace Thompson, obviously, last year was uh, out slugging his his projections. Um, I'm sure the hard hit rate of James Outman is is has improved on the offseason as well. So I am not targeting him as someone, but I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes sort of like the Lars Newbar type uh, of this year as someone who we look back going, of course, everything was there to show that he'd be, you know, a, a 20 home run guy with, you know, 10 stolen bases and hitting near the top of the lineup. And of course the Dodgers are going to Dodgers, that type of thing. So I do like him. I'm not targeting him. I'm a bit more conservative on it, but uh, I can easily see people doing it and making a case to do so. How about you? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's a reasonable call. Uh, how this all shakes out, you know, in that outfield, we'll see. I know I took, I took some um, some flyers on Jason Hayward in like 30 team leagues as a guy that could see some regular playing time when he was sort of uh, trending upward. But uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if either Hayward or Outman straight up replace David Peralta in the outfield. They also have Chris Taylor who can play some outfield. That wouldn't shock me if if he plays, you know, some shortstop. Uh, as well, or, you know, second base, if they want to spell Miguel Vargas from from time to time. Um, Taylor's bat is probably more valuable at this point than Miguel Rojas's glove-back combination. So it wouldn't shock me, but there's a lot of moving parts within this Dodgers lineup, and we'll see how it all shakes out. Hopefully, for the sake of our lists and uh, what we believe, we, we hope Miguel Vargas is the big winner <laughs> in all this and has guaranteed playing time, which would not be a shock. All right, so we have some really interesting names that have uh, broke camp with teams. Just got word, recording this on a Monday. Um, the big one, of course, is Jordan Walker. I don't know if that is a huge surprise to you or I, uh, but it, it got a little tight toward the end. He went through a little bit of adversity um, in terms of struggles and whatnot, as opposed to a scorching red-hot start that he had at the beginning of camp. But, uh, Dylan, what are your expectations for Walker this season? Uh, I probably won't have him if I was doing any drafts. I know that he's getting the huge buzz. Of course, the potential's through the roof. He could be like the, the Julio Rodriguez of this year. Uh, he could He's in the same conversation as Gunnar Henderson and, and uh, Corbin Carroll. I'm a bit uh, more conservative. I, I think uh, you know he he has some some hit tool concerns compared to those two guys. Maybe not concerns. Maybe that's a bit strong. He's not as as strong a, a hit tool as them. He doesn't have any major league experience yet, so there'll be some sort of uh, learning curve. So you know, I, I'm thinking like 240 to 260 batting average, um, good power. He'll steal bases. So sort of like a 2020 is kind of what. 
um, we want to see. So if you kind of dial that down a bit, maybe 20 home runs, 15 stolen bases, or maybe 15 home runs and 22 stolen bases, um, definitely productive, definitely contributing. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be, you know, your outfield one, if you're, if you're picking him, like thinking that's what he's going to be. Yeah. I think that, you know, we could see 20 plus homers. We'll see some steals. Um, the batting average for me is is a bit of a question mark. Uh, he's always sort of outproduced the underlying numbers in terms of batting average. He's had a better strikeout rate than you would expect. It was a sub-70% overall contact rate. He likes to chase quite a bit. Um, so there could be some concerns there. I wonder if that does get exploited a little bit at the major league level, especially when there's a book on him and a little bit more tape than a few weeks or a month. Um, that wouldn't shock me. You know, if we ended up getting, let's say, like a – a 240 season with 25 homers um, and like 10 to 15 steals. Still really valuable, particularly in that lineup where he'll get some RB, RBIs. He's going to get runs. Fine. You know, um, but I think like he's not necessarily like a lock for NL Rookie of the Year. Um, maybe we're both being a little bit too conservative here. He's a really exciting player. There's a ton of tools there. There have been improvements as well. Um, but up until probably a few weeks ago, I, I was anticipating that he was going to end up getting sent down. So uh, to get some seasoning, I, I assume he's probably going to play a majority of DH just based on the guys that they have in the outfield there, the experience they have defensively in the outfield, um, which, you know, maybe get some some rest, limits in, injury upside a little bit or downside, I guess, a little bit. But we'll see. Another guy that up until a couple of days ago I thought was probably going to end up getting sent down for a little bit. That is Anthony Volpe uh, of the New York Yankees, 21 years old. He's going to be starting at shortstop. There, we're getting the Jeter comps already just because he's the last like 21-year-old that broke camp with the Yankees as a starting shortstop. That's neither here nor there. I don't know if that actually matters. What are your expectations with Volpe for this season? I know you're, you're pretty high on him. We have him really high on our, our dynasty top 100. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think as a fantasy asset, I, I'm very high on him, and I, I showing the Yankees showing the confidence they have in him. Like I said, as a 21 year old breaking camp, um, this year I think it's kind of similar to Jordan Walker. I think you know 2020 uh, is in the bat, uh, the batting average, uh, same thing. He may have a learning curve. He may be exploited a bit. Um, you know, he had some, he had a bit of a slump at the beginning of last season. So, you know, it's possible that, uh, major league pitchers can exploit that too. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I have him, uh, he's available in one of my leagues that we were talking before this on like how much I think I'll have to bid. And, and I think for me, it sounds like, uh, there's going to be a lot of money being thrown at him, uh, in this fab period. So again, it's, high possibility that I won't have them on my team just for, I, I take a conservative risk averse approach. I, I don't necessarily think he's going to, you know, become rookie of the year just because he made it uh, onto the team. And so I, I, I kind of, you know, I'm a projections guy. So I kind of, I have a sort of more conservative uh, production line that I see from him. So, you know, like 240 again, you know, 16 home runs, 23 stolen bases, that type of thing. Um, I, I'm curious to see how he does in the in the media frenzy of New York City, uh, playing in that uh, in that uh, environment. I'm curious to see how he does. For what it's worth, he's from that area. He grew up outside of New York City, so I don't think there's going to be any shocks or surprises there. Um, you know, New Jersey kid. He was the shortstop for Jack Leiter's high school uh, baseball team at Del Barton. So. Um, yeah, he grew up like right in the right in the nest there. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic on him. Um, I think there's more upside, particularly playing in Yankee Stadium. Um, there's a little bit more less risk, I think, as well when we think about batting average on base percentage, some of that stuff. He does a lot of little things pretty well, um, and could end up sort of at the top of the Yankees lineup within a month or two. That wouldn't shock me. You know, I've always thought he was offensively ready even as early as last year. Big question for me is to be the defense. Uh, I really didn't think he was going to end up playing shortstop for them. I think we talked about this. I thought it was going to be the second baseman. Peraza would be the shortstop because he's such a standout defensive shortstop. Maybe that's improved. I, I can't sit here and say that I've watched a, a tremendous amount of 
throws from from the shortstop position from Volpe this season, but we shall see. So um, those are probably the two biggest names staying with the New York theme here. Brett Beatty gets sent down. He was already on the 40-man roster. He debuted in 2022. I did not anticipate this happening. Um, and I think a lot of Mets fans, too, kind of feel like, hey, like Tim LaCastro broke camp with a team. Are we really trying to say that Brett Beatty is better than Tim LaCastro in terms of his contributions, how he fits in the roster? I don't really know one way or the other. Um, doesn't have a ton of AAA time. Uh, what were your initial reactions to this one? Because I'd say that this one surprised me a little bit because I thought that Beatty had played as well as himself into potentially even a starting role at third base. Yeah, it surprised me too. I know uh, Eduardo Escobar has not had a good spring. Um, his slash line is 114, 205, 143. Um, so he's not exactly tearing the cover off the ball and, uh, you know, making it be a tough conversation with do we bring up 80 now or, 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 do we stick with the veteran who's doing very well? But uh, yeah, so definitely surprised me. Um, I do expect him back, uh, obviously, this year. I think he'll get 300 plate appearances or more. Um, maybe way more if, if Escobar starts off uh, very, very slow in April. But uh, yeah, no, it definitely surprised me. I think with with the adversity that's befallen the Mets club with Edwin Diaz uh, that you'd think that they'd try to you know cheer up the cheer up the fan base by uh, <laughs> giving them what they want throwing them some meat but uh, I guess not they got other plans yeah they needed uh, Tim LaCastro's speed on the base paths to make this happen so that's right there you go uh, other good news from out there uh, Ryan Nelson ends up getting the number five job with the Diamondbacks he is somebody that I did grab in a couple of different leagues, including NL only labor. So I'm feeling pretty good about that Nelson uh, ad. I don't know if this is a huge shock. I think most people think he's more of a starter than, than um, Dre Jamison. Jamison ends up going to the bullpen. He's got electric stuff, um, throws really hard, great slider, um, has a few different shapes. I really like Dre Jamison. I do think he could start long-term. Um, but with only so many position, uh, mouths to, to feed and so many spots in the rotation, I do think Nelson uh, probably getting that job makes the most sense when we know that, you know, Brandon Fat um, will end up starting the season uh, back in Reno and AAA. So any expectation, any thoughts on Nelson uh, breaking camp in the rotation? Uh I, I was a bit surprised. I thought Dre Jameson was going to get it, but then when I saw they put him in the bullpen, um, I kind of lit up because I thought that there's a lot of talk of who's going to be the closer for the, for the Diamondbacks. There's the Scott McGuff signing from uh, overseas, the Andrew Chafin, like all sorts of names, Kevin Ginkle have been thrown. Like no one really knows if you look at the main event, like ADPs, no one's totally uh, confident who it's going to be. I actually think it may be Dre Jameson. Like, like you said, he throws really hard. He's hit 97, I believe in spring. Um, yeah. It's, it's electric stuff and he might just end up becoming like the closer this year, especially with fat coming in. And if Ryan Nelson, you know, kind of holds it down uh, in a, in a reasonable way, then uh, they may just keep him in the, in the bullpen. But, so I, I'm actually more excited about Dre Jamison than Ryan Nelson because of Ryan Nelson being in the, in the rotation actually. Yeah. Um, sort of. Yeah. agree. Like I think uh, both of them could find important roles for the Diamondbacks this year, who are like at all levels are just a really watchable organization. Um, a lot of upside, a lot of interest and intrigue really from like low A all the way up to the major league squad. They could, the major league team could be better than people think. Um, so that would be interesting to watch. Speaking of number five starters and guys winning roles, Hayden Wesneski, I don't think this is a huge shock ends up winning the Cubs number five uh, job. There's a lot of upside here. He showed well, really, uh, really well at the end of last season. I don't know if he continues that or not. We'll see. Um, but it's a really good slider. The fastball is pretty good overall. It's a good pitch mix. Um, I've heard some folks even within the Cubs organization saying, "Hey, this guy might be like our third best starter, let alone our number five. So there's some upside there. It wouldn't shock me. He's kind of like a dark horse. NL Rookie of the Year kind of play, in my opinion. What are, What are your thoughts on Wesnaski? Yeah, I mean, you've been 
uh, blowing the horn on Hayden Wisniewski all offseason. I think he took him in uh, the BA mock uh, startup. I think he had him in another startup. And mm-hmm. uh, that kind of got me intrigued because, you know, he was Hayden Wesneski <laughs> to me. But, and now he's Hayden Wesneski. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you. He's hit 97. The slider is just a wipeout pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, all the stuff plus metrics just love him. And I think the projections that don't incorporate stuff plus, which they don't really, the main public ones don't. So they're under, in my opinion, they're under uh, valuing him right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good, uh, uh, definitely a sleeper for rookie of the year. Yeah. He's somebody that I do like, as I mentioned, I like the pitch mix. I think there's some upside there potentially as well. Uh, as we keep on going down the list here, we got a few more names. Grayson Rodriguez does not, at least according to this report does not break camp. He's going to be back in triple a was chatting with some folks today about this, um, some folks with Baltimore. And I think sort of the hope here is that, hey, we want to slow roll Grayson. We don't want to throw him right into the fire. This is somebody that we want to sort of, you know, limit the innings, make sure that if we do have a good season, you know, things push the way that they have been progressing for the last couple of years, that Grayson's somebody that we end up with healthy in August and September. Um, I know there was a lot of clamoring about this, probably a lot of like, oh, damn you Orioles and your service time manipulation. But I don't really think it even is that um, because there is some benefit for him breaking camp and them getting that extra draft pick, et cetera. Um, I just think it's a matter of what's prudent, trying to keep him healthy and not really needing a number five starter over the first few weeks of the season, frankly. So um, I wouldn't, hand ring too much about this one because i do think that grayson could end up you know in the major leagues by like may 1st we'll say so i don't know what your thoughts are here and what your expectations are for rodriguez this year I, as long as he's healthy i do think we see him in the major leagues pretty shortly yeah i don't think it was uh i, I mean he had a 704 era in spring and a 157 whip but i don't think it was performance based i don't think like you said it's service time manipulation i think it's just like you said limiting innings they don't want him to go if, if he comes out opening day and then he's just he's just shoving then it's going to be hard to like slow him down or slow play him as you come to july august um sure. but they want to save him right he's their long-term workhorse so um i think he'll i think he'll get 100 innings this year um so i think there may be an opportunity if some of your league mates especially in redraft are, are going to drop him uh this week this coming fab week because he didn't make the team and uh they don't want to stash him for that long i think actually that's a good opportunity yeah 100 percent agree there um i think he could be an interesting one definitely worth the stash right now and he was getting strikeouts and not really walking guys it was more the command he was kind of you know throwing the fastball in some bad spots a lot of middle middle location Um, and that led to a lot of hard contact, which led to a lot of runs, which I think kind of explains that ERA, and that's sort of what we were hearing from scouts as well. Um, Going through here, another guy that breaks camp, um, Bryce Terang. So there was some talk of Joey Weimer potentially breaking camp. He was sent down. Sal Frelick was also sent down today. Um, Both those guys I think could be up pretty shortly. That wouldn't – another one wouldn't shock me, but – um, what are your expectations on Terang? I'm a little more lukewarm here. I think if you're in an only league uh, or really deep league, fine. Uh, otherwise, like 12 team mixed, I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah, 12 team mixed, probably not. 15 team, I think he's he's interesting. I think he's going to play on the strong side of the platoon. I think Mike Brousseau and Owen Miller, they both that right-handed. Um, they're kind of the infields backups. Um, with uh, Keston Hira being uh, knocked off the 40 man. So I, I'm kind of intrigued by Bryce Terang. I always like the hit tool, the contact in the zone's good. Uh, the chase is, is good. It was always just about the power, um, which isn't quite there. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I think he can get up to 10 home runs, uh, 15 to 25 stolen bases too, depending on how much he runs. Um, probably 15 is <laughs> where uh, you think he will get, but, uh, you know, he could go over 20, um, batting average 
250, maybe 320 OBP, again, being conservative. He's kind of actually, the profile, I, I write about this in uh, an article coming out. Um, the profile is a lot like Garrett Mitchell, actually. Um, good defense, not the greatest um, power and, and good speed. Um, so I kind of see similar lines with the two of them. Right now, roster resource has Bryce Terang hitting ninth. Um, I don't see him being at the top of the order until much later in the season. I think he's got to earn it. Um, yeah. And whether or not he does is the question. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, contact, probably a little bit over more over approach than Mitchell does, but um, still overall kind of an interesting player. So Oscar Colas is going to end up breaking camp with the White Sox. He's older and was a Cuban professional. Um, I don't think this is a huge shock either. Um, I'm tempering my expectations a little bit here with the, the, this one, Dylan. The power's there. The contact is there. You're sort of hoping for like an Odalis Garcia type of season. Um, but with bad approach and a guy who swings as much as he has and hasn't had a ton of major league exposure, these guys always scare me a little bit. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's no question about the power. Um, you know, he has maybe 30 home runs in this bat at peak, but he chases a lot. His chase rate is was like 38% uh, in the minors last year in AA. Yeah. Um, but the, so the question is whether the the the, uh, the contact quality, the, the power in the bat, the exit velocity is enough to transcend the chase. And in the major leagues, I don't know. It might be tough. So, yeah, I think... I'm not, I'm not going after him. I'm not going to spend a lot of money if he's available in my leagues, but you know, someone that hits 230 with 25 home runs is very uh, a very productive bat. I think that's his ceiling for me uh, or a good outcome, maybe not a ceiling, a good outcome for 2023. And uh, I just, I don't want to take the batting average hit and then he may get set down if he does struggle. Yeah, totally agree there. I don't think that's a, that is a bad um, sort of uh, breakdown of Colas and how that's going to work. Talked about Dre Jameson in the bullpen already. Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster both break camp with rotation spots with the Braves. Uh, Kyle Wright ended up going on the IL, so that's the reason that they needed two guys and not just somebody for the fifth spot starter spot. Of these two, who do you like the most, and who do you think ends up staying up when Kyle Wright is healthy? Personally, I like Schuster um, a bit better. I think there's a bit more more strikeout swing and miss in the in the arsenal. He's a lefty too, right? And Dodd's a righty, so you know I kind of like the lefty. Um, I I I think the one that gets sent down is the one that's not going to do as well. I don't think there's much separating the two, so it's really who who starts <laughs> off strong in the first couple of weeks. I don't think I don't think the Braves have an idea that it's going to be Schuster. Uh, that gets sent down when Wright's back, and then no matter what Dodd is doing, I think sure. it's going to be performance based. So, I guess the question is, who do I think is going to do better? I don't know. I think Schuster's starting either the second or the third game to start the season, so we'll know about him first. Um, I know Dodd just went in a lot of uh, my fab in my dynasty leagues. Schuster was taken in the FYPDs because he was kind of showing well early in spring training. And now that it looks, that Dodd has made the team, he was a, a very expensive um, acquisition this week in, in my fab. Sure. Yeah, and I don't think that's uh, that's not, you know, too bad of a, of a gamble, either of these guys. Um, I put a few bids in for Dodd where I'm looking to replace a starter after, like, Cavalli or someone got hurt now that wire, uh, waiver wire is running. So I think there's some opportunity there. Um, if, if you had – sorry to interrupt. If you had sure. Kyle Muller – Ken Waldachuk, so two pitchers who probably have you know more pitchability, better, better, better poise and, and command, and will probably better do stuff better, yeah, better, better stuff. stuff. But they play for the Athletics, so they won't get that many wins. <laughs> versus Dylan Dodge or Schuster, who you know maybe a bit less refined, but may steal some wins for the Braves. Who who are you? How would you rank those four? Um, hmm. I'm probably going Waldachuk. Uh, Schuster, uh, Kyle Muller, and and then Dodd, frankly. Okay. But I think it's I pretty like close. It. I think Waldachuk's the only one that I really like like and want to like acquire in places. Mm-hmm. Other guys are a little bit more fill if you know what I'm saying. I do. That's good. 
So yeah, no agree there. Absolutely. All right. So the last one we're going to throw out here, unfortunately, Gavin Stone doesn't make the team. It's Ryan Pepio who breaks camp as a number five starter, but all is not lost. They do think we could see Gavin Stone, another guy like somehow at some point in the first half, especially if there is another injury to the staff. Um, you know, maybe he's not necessarily the, the first guy up. That might be Michael Grove. Um, but it wouldn't shock me to see Stone added to the 40-man roster um, before his time is due. And I don't think he's spending the whole season in the minors or even the whole first half. So what are your thoughts on Pepio? Is he a guy that maybe you're targeting in a few leagues or no? I kind of have him in the in the Schuster-Dodd camp. I think the fact he's on a good team that'll get wins, Dodgers versus Braves, is good. Um Sure. I am not a huge fan of the the walk rate, double digit walk rate. I kind of think he's going to be in the in the pen. Um, so I I, I kind of see him as maybe a five and dive kind of pitcher. Um, those ones are a bit volatile, and that if they don't get their five innings, you've kind of wasted your start that you've allocated to them. So okay. I'm a bit I'm a bit uh, tepid on on Pepio, but uh, I I could look like a fool <laughs> come July if. Uh, he, he does well. Yeah. The, the command has always been a little bit of an issue. Um, it improved at points last year, but I'm still very skeptical and not somebody that necessarily want to invest my money in only league deeper league. Go for it. I have no problem with it. Go out there, go get yourself Ryan Pepio. But once again, if you're looking at 12 or even 15 team mixed leagues, eh, I'm a little bit more um, into some of the other names that we had just recently mentioned. Guys like Muller, guys like Waldachuk, guys like Dodge, Schuster, et cetera. So those are the options um, versus Pepe. I think I might gamble there, um, though it's the Dodgers, and you never want to bet against the Dodgers. They might know something that we don't. Um, but that's uh, that's sort of the wrap-up here. We talked about my Tell Wars team at the beginning. We've gone through this laundry list over the last 25 minutes of all these different names that are debuting. This is our last show before the season begins. Dylan, any sort of... Big picture thoughts, things that you're looking forward to. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here um, as we head into the season. Uh, I'm just excited that baseball is going to start. It's uh, <laughs> recording on Monday and baseball is going to be on Thursday. I got, I had my home league auction last night and then the first waiver wires running. We had fab yesterday, first fab in my dynasty leagues. I've got tout fab on Wednesday. It's like it's yeah. escalating and uh, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm uh, I'm excited as well. Just kind of get things started, get things underway. We have minor league baseball. AAA will be starting on Friday. And we actually had, I was on the backfields today. And I saw the last backfield game for a lot of the AAA guys, including uh, Yuri Perez, who I think might end up breaking camp in AAA, but we'll see. Maybe we'll end up being AA, which is why he went today. Um, looked pretty good. You know, it was kind of interesting, but uh yeah, so you know, uh, we have double A starting next week at some point, and you know the A ball levels. Just me excited to get back into it again. You know, it's a it's a long off season, so I'm happy that spring training's over, WBC's over, and uh, the regular season is here. So once again, thank you for tuning in. I am Jeff Ponce. This is Dylan White. This was the Baseball America Dynasty Podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.